So, you know, we've heard from a lot of DeFi yield farmers. Sometimes they can't sleep at night because they don't know what's going to happen. Horror stories of people being on airplanes, not being able to reach their hardware wallet. And by the time it landed, liquidated. You know, by giving you a fixed rate for a fixed amount of time, it allows people who borrow to sleep well at night and not have to worry about, you know, what if a black swan event happens and it. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of Fourth Revolution Capital. Podcast guests and 4RC may have positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Hey everyone, welcome to the Edge Podcast. I'm DeFi Dad from Fourth Revolution Capital, and I'm here with my co-host from 4RC Nomadic. In this episode, we'll review a new non-custodial fixed-rate lending and borrowing protocol launching soon on Ethereum called Term Finance. DeFi is known for its volatile variable interest rates. Term offers a next-generation solution for a maturing DeFi market that demands more predictable fixed rates like those we find in traditional finance. With Term, borrowers and lenders are matched through a unique recurring auction process called Term Auctions. Borrowers submit sealed bids and lenders submit sealed offers that are used to determine an interest rate that clears the market for participants of that auction. Participants who bid more than the clearing rate receive loans and participants willing to lend below the clearing rate make loans. We will dissect how all of this works and help you as DeFi users understand what's necessary to become a borrower or lender on term. But before we do, just a quick word from our sponsors who make the Edge podcast possible. Welcome to Mantle Network Mainnet. Mantle Network, the flagship product of Mantle Ecosystem, is a high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 network that brings scalability, security, and affordability to the forefront under a modular design. We're constantly growing and expanding. Since the launch of Testnet, Mantle Network has enabled a significant gas fee reduction for L2 transactions by up to 70% by adopting EigenDA technology. We also seamlessly integrated fraud proofs and concluded external audits on the code base. Together with its extensive ecosystem partners and hundreds of thousands of builders and community members, Mantle, powered by its native token, MMT, is committed to enabling the mass adoption of decentralized and token-governed technologies. You can now explore a multitude of projects already deployed on Mantle Network, from gaming to DeFi and beyond. Calling Web3 entrepreneurs to accelerate their project growth with the Mantle Grants program. The time is now. Join us to be part of the decentralized revolution. Whether you're a trader, farmer, analyst, or newbie, you can trade smart with KyberSwap, the OG decentralized exchange and aggregator on 13 chains. Swap at the best rates, farm with real yields, set limit orders, use their proprietary trading and AI tools with the best UX and DeFi, securely and permissionlessly. Get better rates, better opportunities, better alpha, and a better trading experience. Trade smart now at kyberswap.com. 
Hey everyone, my name is Kaido. I'm a co-founder at Utopia Labs, and today we're really, really excited to be announcing and launching a feature called USDC Bank Transfers. We're basically allowing for any company based anywhere in the world to be able to send USDC to any US bank account, whether that US bank account is a US citizen or a person who might have something as simple as a WISE account. If we zoom out since a year ago, there's been a chokehold on kind of the interoperability and seamlessness between traditional rails and crypto rails. We put a lot of time and effort into this to be able to provide a smooth end experience for you as a consumer or as a company using crypto and using traditional financial rails. It all started so simply with CryptoKitties and Maker on Ethereum, but quickly became complex with more applications and many chains. Today, everyone agrees UX issues are the biggest blocker standing in the way of crypto adoption. Introducing Avocado. Multi-chain UX redesigned from the ground up. The first wallet to abstract networks, accounts and gas. One gas tank to pay transaction fees on all chains. In USDC. And native access to Instadap's powerful, custom DeFi strategies. Avocado. One wallet to rule all chains. At Origin Protocol, DeFi is an art form. Origin invented the yield-bearing stablecoin in 2020 with OUSD, delivering boosted stablecoin yield with unparalleled usability. No lockups, no wastage, no guesswork. Using OUSD's battle-tested code, Origin launched OETH. OETH is a liquid staking yield aggregator backed by ETH and LSTs. Swap for OETH with Rocketpool's RETH, Lido's Steph, Frax's FRX ETH, or ETH to earn top yield on Ether, with a 30-day trailing APY more than twice that of Steph. With Origin's best-in-class yield strategies, OETH holders enjoy the best ETH yield in DeFi. Deposit any supported LST, mint OETH, and earn automatically with yield delivered directly to your wallet. To learn more about OETH, go to OETH.com. Parcel is a decentralized Perps AMM where I can long or short real estate synthetics based on the median price per square foot in some of the most sought-after cities in the world. Meaning I can get exposure to real estate markets like Boston, Washington DC, and Chicago. For example, if I had Parcel years ago and I was bullish on real estate prices in San Francisco, I could have longed Parcel San Francisco index with a minimum of one USDC. Or if I had just bought a home and wanted to hedge against the price of our home crashing, I could have shorted the same real estate index. To learn more about Parcel, go to parcel.cc edge. All right, in just a moment, we'll introduce Dion Chu, the founder of Term Labs. Dion attended Cornell and later Harvard, where he became a teaching fellow and taught the principles of micro and macroeconomics. He went on to have an extensive career in traditional finance, working on trading desks on Wall Street, such as Jeffries and Capula. He would eventually start a small family office called Orthogonal Asset Management. In 2022, he founded Term Labs, which is building the protocol Term Finance, a non-custodial fixed-rate liquidity protocol for digital assets on Ethereum. Today, we'll be talking to Dion all about his new venture at Term Labs and how Term aims to match borrowers and lenders through a unique recurring auction process, common in traditional finance, but rebuilt and reimagined here in DeFi. Dion, welcome to the Edge Podcast. How are you doing? Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Real excited to be here. Term represents a sector of DeFi that we've been active in and following the last few years. 
you know, if you want to classify it as like fixed income or fixed interest uh, DeFi. And this is a sector of DeFi that we've always been very bullish on at 4RC, but I would argue we've yet to see real product market fit. And so I'm hopeful that this is a part of the next major cycle in, in crypto and DeFi. Uh, but uh, Dion, you have an extensive background trading on Wall Street. You know, can, can you tell us why that career in traditional finance led you here now to DeFi? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as you mentioned, my career on Wall Street was primarily as a government bond trader, trading U.S. government bonds, um, so deep in the rates market. And um, when I started my own family office, for the most part, I stayed within the realm of traditional finance. I think it was around the time of COVID when interest rates went down to zero. And I started hearing about these double-digit yields in DeFi that I started you know, doing some more research looking into what was going on. So, you know, a crypto backstory, bought Bitcoin a long time ago, back in 2012, was very much a Bitcoin maxi. Didn't touch anything else. But when I saw what was going on in DeFi, the ability to swap tokens, borrow and lend, um, it was just super interesting to me. So as part of that journey, I started advising various projects, both on the NFT side and on the DeFi side. Um, and one of those advisory roles was serving as a Dow Treasury Manager. I think it was in that role where I started to notice the lack of fixed income product in DeFi. Right, as a former bond trader, fixed income products, largest market, largest financial market in the world. And the fact that it didn't exist in the DeFi space was just really puzzling to me. Um, you know, as part of that process, started looking at some of the existing protocols that had attempted to do both borrow lend and in the fixed rate space, but found that you know, the product was suffering from you know scalability issues. Um, if you look at all of the existing protocols, at its core, they rely on an AMM model. So kind of like a DAX pool where LPs are required to deposit idle capital that sits in the pool waiting for, you know, transactions to show up. And in between, it generates no income. So the average return to LPs is quite low. Um, and from the borrower's perspective, the way it works is a borrower deposits collateral into a smart contract. But rather than getting loan proceeds from that transaction, all they get is an ERC-20 token where they then have to take the additional step of selling that token into the DEX in order to realize any stablecoin loan proceeds. So it's a two-step process. And in that second step, because it is a DEX, you know, they have the typical issue of contending with slippage. So, you know, in practice, if you try to borrow something like more than 2 or $3 million at a time, from these fixed rate protocols, the interest rate quickly jumps from say 5% to six or 7%. So it's not really scalable from an institutional perspective. I think the key insight um, that I had, largely drawing from my experience uh, as a former government bond trader, is the need to draw a distinction between primary markets and secondary market trade. So, you know, in crypto language, primary market is like an ICO. You're selling a token for the first time. There's a lot of supply. And secondary markets is what happens after a TGE event. Once a token is issued, you can trade them on exchange, trade them on DAX, 
DEXs were designed for trading volume on the margin, but not for selling large quantities of token at a single point in time. And we think that matching borrowers and lenders in the fixed rate space is much more like a primary market activity than it is like secondary market trading. And so finding a mechanism that's more suited to that was what was needed to make this model work. So thinking back to my days as a government bond trader, I had participated in hundreds of U.S. government bond auctions. Every month, the U.S. Treasury holds six bond auctions, selling at a time up to 50, 60 billion of treasury notes in a single go. Um, and every G7 country to this day still issues government bonds in the first instance through an auction process. So the idea was to take that model and bring that on-chain. And um, so that's what we created, an on-chain auction, where at you know, regular frequency, maybe once a week, bars and lenders can come together submit levels of where they're looking to borrow or lend. And then at a single point in time, you know, we'll close all bidding and the smart contract will determine the single market clearing rate where any borrower that's willing to pay at or above that rate will receive a loan. And any lender willing to lend at or below that rate will make a loan in both cases at that market clearing rate. So even if you're willing to pay 10%, the market comes out at four, you only have to pay four. There's no penalty for overbidding. And these are all sealed bid auctions, so nobody sees the rate that you're willing to pay until after the auction closes. So people are incentivized to bid their true valuation. Um, the long-run vision here is that at steady state, there will be a token maturing every week, every month, going out to one year. And the idea is this would serve as a benchmark DeFi interest rate for, you know, where does, you know, where do loans at DeFi trade at every point in time going out to one year? So what, what you described sounds to me like a net new DeFi primitive with this new element of auctions. So something that you've done in your past uh, over many years, it sounds like, and you're now bringing that to DeFi as a way to match up lenders and borrowers that currently doesn't exist. Is that, is that kind of right? Anything you'd add to that, Dion? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, you know, it's a new way of making markets or bringing people together to transact in DeFi. Um, up to now, we've seen the DEX model, standing liquidity, which is, is great because you can access liquidity at any time that you're looking for it, but it is very capital intensive and is not the most efficient use of capital for LPs. Um, we've seen attempts at order book models, which, you know, the, there are some scalability issues on chain to be able to accommodate true order books in a decentralized manner. And auctions are sort of a nice middle ground. It is like an order book, but it happens in batches at a single point in time. So, you know, it actually is like a nice kind of compromise between the two opposing models of full order book, and fully on-chain DEX. Um, and I think a nice benefit of that is, when, especially when you're trying to match large volumes, an auction has been proven um, theoretically to be one of the most efficient mechanisms of doing that. Dion, can we start to talk through term finance? Like, what are the, the major uh, moving parts or like the mechanisms that you need to understand? I think so far you've clearly laid out we have 
borrowers and we have lenders, we have an auction price and we have an auction process that is coordinated on chain. All of this is automated by smart contracts. A lot of the benefits here of DeFi that I want to say we somewhat take for granted, it's really powerful here because you're taking a fairly complex middlemen intensive uh, mechanism in traditional finance and you're bringing it on chain. So maybe you could kind of, maybe you could start to talk us through what does it look like for us as users? If I'm a, a borrower or if I'm a lender who's approaching uh, using term finance in the future? Yeah, I think a uh, key thing to understand to start is that in early days, we will focus on over collateralized loans. So this is like Aave Compound. You have to put up significant collateral in order to borrow from the protocol. And the collateralization ratios will be very similar to what you'll find on variable rate protocols like Aave and Compound. Um, so that's the first thing to understand. I think along with that, the liquidation mechanism is also based largely on Aave and Compound, where your collateral is held in a smart contract. And if you fall below the margin requirement, then your tokens will be instant <clears throat> instantly liquidated. Um, the liquidation mechanism is also very similar. Liquidators are provided with the liquidation incentive where they will be able to purchase your collateral at a discount um, in consideration for repaying a portion of your loan. One unique feature that we implemented is that we have liquidation limits. So a liquidator can only limit liquidate you to the point where your collateral returns to you know, a healthy, healthy factor plus a little bit of buffer. So you won't get fully liquidated, you know, as a re result of a minor infraction. Um, a second interesting difference is that unlike the variable rate protocols where all of the collateral is held in a large single commingled pool, the collateral and the term contracts will be segregated by matured. So you make a loan to a three-month loan, then the collateral there is separate from all of the other loans that may have been, you know, deployed in the past. And so that provides a little bit more, you know, diversification of risk on the lending side. And as with all of these over-collateralized loans, the rates are very low, so it's great for the borrower. And as a lender, it's really targeted towards people who are concerned with capital preservation. Um, you know, if you're looking for degen yields, this is not where you go. But if you are worried about preserving your capital, then, you know, we want to be there along with Compound and Aave as a safe place to put your capital. Who are your target users with this with this sort of uh, arrangement? And then I think like, I think it's important just to kind of key in on the, the variable rate versus fixed rate a bit more. So obviously... Uh, Compound Ave have a floating interest rate. Um, what what you're bringing to the market is a fixed interest rate, and maybe uh, outline some of the benefits and and I guess some of the dangers in certain kind of like black swan events where a floating interest rate uh, can really sort of harm a borrower or a lender. Yeah, you know I think one of the you know important features that we're trying to bring is this fixed rate concept. You know there have been many attempts at it. And for the most part, variable rate product has worked very well in DeFi. 
Um, but we have seen episodes, you know, around tail risk events or black swan events, as you briefly mentioned, where you have these liquidity squeezes in DeFi, where interest rates on these floating rate protocols will spike for, you know, up to a couple of days through 60, 70, 80% per annum APY. And when you are subject to that kind of borrowing costs, in the worst case, you might get liquidated. And even if you don't get liquidated, it could ruin whatever yield farming arbitrage trade that you had on. And um, you have no control over that. So, you know, we've heard from a lot of default yield farmers. Sometimes they can't sleep at night because they don't know what's going to happen. Horror stories of people being on airplanes, not being able to reach their hardware wallet. And by the time it landed, liquidated. You know, by giving you a fixed rate for a fixed amount of time, it allows people who borrow to sleep well at night and not have to worry about, you know, what if a black swan event happens and it, you know, throws everything out of whack. So, you know, I think that's a very important feature of fixed rate borrowing. And even for individuals who maybe you just want to borrow against your Bitcoin, you're a long-term holder, but you want to make a home improvement, you want to fix your kitchen, you know, it's nice to be able to borrow at a fixed rate for six months, whatever it is, and know exactly what it's going to cost you at the end of the day. It makes it much easier for people to plan their expenses and how much you need to save up to repay the loan once they're ready to do so. Um, so I think for both institutions and individuals alike, having the certainty and predictability of a fixed rate makes it a lot easier. I, I think that's the key there is the certainty and predictability is a part of DeFi maturing. You know, as much as we're all grateful for the volatility and the excitement uh, when the space is growing, the pie is growing, and, and there's a positive sum experience to that. But in order for DeFi to mature into the next generation of its growth, we, we need this predictability and certainty. And, and this is why we were particularly excited when we first learned about what you're building uh, with Term. EtherFi is a fundamentally new kind of staking protocol for Ethereum. EtherFi is the only protocol that allows stakers to retain control of their keys while delegating staking, and allows others to build services on top of delegated staking infrastructure. What makes EtherFi different? EtherFi is the only staking protocol where stakers retain control of their keys, which means that even if the protocol gets attacked or if the node operators get in trouble, you can always get your Ether back. EtherFi introduces a new fun way to stake called EtherFan, where you get rewarded the longer you stake. When you stake your Ether with EtherFi, you mint a provably rare NFT that you can use to earn membership points and get boosted staking rewards. Revenue from these services is shared between stakers and operators, which further boosts your staking rewards and node operator revenues. To learn more, go to Ether.Fi and Ether.Fan. Can we start to dive into just some of the uh, uh, nitty gritty as like a power user who might, you know, hop into term here uh, once it's live on Ethereum mainnet? So uh, first, I love the idea of being able to lock in a rate as a lender. Um, this is something that, uh, especially having just lived through a crypto bear market, uh, a lot of those rates dropped. And so we as lenders uh, and stablecoin markets we would love to be able to lock in higher rates. Uh, so if I'm willing to lend and I'm matched with a borrower through the auction process on term, uh, I guess what decides uh, programmatically what capital gets used um, 
to be lent to those borrowers? Like what if there's an excess supply of capital or on the flip side of that would also like to talk about what if there isn't enough capital supplied and the loan is not going to be issued? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, now talking about the auction mechanics, you know, at the end of the auction, after everybody submitted the amounts that they're looking to lend and the interest rates at which they're willing to do so, we will find that market clearing price where supply meets demand, and we will assign fills based on the most willing to lend, so people who are willing to lend for the cheapest, and fill it going up, you know, in order. And on the barn side, we will fill those who are most willing to pay first and then kind of downwards. And then if there's excess demand or supply at the marginal rate, then everybody who submitted a loan to lend at a certain, at the same price will be filled pro rata on the margin. So if we get down to the final few, the last marginal rate, and there's only 100,000 of demand, but 200,000 of supply, and each of the lenders will get 50% of an allocation uh, versus relative to what they submitted to lend. Um, this is very common, the same as it works in the U.S. Treasury auctions. They call it a pro rata on the margin uh, allocation methodology. Now, when it comes to these auctions and the the terms for, for loans that are going to be auctioned off, who decides that? Is something they're programmed in and do we like vote on that as a DAO? Do we have folks full time who are, I guess, you know, figuring out and and trying to model out like what are the best uh, terms to offer in terms of those loans? Um, is it the borrower that suggests that and and you know requests a certain term? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, early days, it'll be determined by the core team. You know, we're in ta- we're in talks with all of our potential users. What do you want? What are you looking for? What kind of terms work for you? Um, but the idea is that in the long run, you know, if we have a DAO, the goal would be to allow new pairs, new terms to be, to be deployed based on DAO governance. Um, but in the short term, you know, as we're kind of, you know, bootstrapping, uh, it will be determined by the core team. But if anybody has ideas, love to hear your input because they're always trying to figure out, obviously, what has the most demand, right? That's what the goal is at the end of the day. Are these borrowers, are they over or under collateralized? And if over collateralized, how much collateral do they have to put up um, for the, the loans that they take out? Yeah, these are all over collateralized loans. So just like Aave and Compound and the collateralization ratio is going to be identical to what you'll find on Aave and Compound as well. So if it's, say, Ethereum or Rapstick E, we would require 125% for every dollar uh, borrowed on the platform. Uh, Dion, can you speak a bit to the uh, term re- repo token and how that fits into the protocol and, and kind of like what functions does it serve? Yeah, so what happens at the conclusion of an auction is the borrower will receive his loan proceeds directly from the protocol. And lenders will receive ERC-20 tokens. They call them repo tokens. They're essentially receipt tokens that the bar a lender will use to redeem for principal plus interest at maturity. They'll typically be normalized to be redeemable one for one with the underlying purchase token. So the idea is it would trade like a discount note, you know, some fraction of a dollar 
conversion to a dollar as you get closer to the maturity date. Um, and also one thing I want to clarify, I think sometimes a lot of people are confused about this. Um, so you know, we need to do a better job of clarifying, but these loans are peer to pool. So you're not lending and borrowing from a specific individual. All the lenders are going to the pool and all the borrowers are borrowing from that same pool. And so at the time that we're filming this, you're currently live on Ethereum mainnet in what you're calling a guarded launch, I believe. How how have these early auctions gone? Are you happy with the results? Um, are you finding like you're competitive with other borrowing platforms? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, we had run a test net for about 12 weeks, make sure we ironed out all of the issues. We launched this guarded launch on mainnet just to make sure that when you you know switch between testnet and mainnet, there's always some configurations that you forget to make. So the first two options, we limited the the size of the bids and offers allowable on the on the protocol to make sure you know if anything goes wrong that you know it would be a manageable loss. Um, luckily, everything went smoothly. We held our first full term four week option two weeks ago. And, you know, the results are very interesting. You know, the first auction, full-term auction, cleared at 3.5%. So that's right around the midpoint of where Aave's supply and borrow rate is. So it's great. The lenders are getting paid a little bit more than what they would supplying. And the bars are paying a little bit less than what they would pay on a variable rate protocol. And they're locking that in for a four-week period. So... You know, overall, it's as expected. You know, comes somewhere in the middle. You don't have that slippage or spread issue. Um, so we're pretty happy with the results. And now it's just about you know slowly rolling out, you know, access and you know getting this to the public. Dion, just a few years ago, uh, my wife and I bought our first home. So this is really recent for me uh, in the last like five years of my life. And at the time, DeFi was taking off. And I was I was really excited about the possibility that I might be able to like open up a loan on chain. I think I knew in my heart of hearts it probably wouldn't work because they were variable rates and we were looking at like historically low uh, mortgage rates for single family homes, at least in the, in the U.S. Um, that said, I mean, anytime I think about term or, or any sort of like uh, fixed term lending in DeFi, uh, I, I can't help but like start to think about that long term like how long does it take before we start to see something like a like a mortgage show up on chain how long of terms are you offering now and expecting to offer at least in the first year versus how long of terms do you hope to offer uh in the next few years are, are you thinking multi-year terms are going to come sooner uh maybe a better question is what needs to happen in order for term to offer longer term loans, something on the order of many years? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, in the, sh in the short term, we'll be focusing on one year and under, under, right? As you guys know, in DeFi, one year is like the third year bond in TradFi. Um, I think over time, we'll get to a level of maturity where you have lenders that are native to the on-chain world being willing to make loans for longer periods of time. I think a key key blocker for that is liquidity. Um, you know, most of the time when you buy a 30-year bond and lend to the government for 30 years, you always have the option of selling that bond if you need cash sooner. 
And so there is some liquidity, there's some volatility associated, but at least there is an out. Um, I think it's very hard for anybody to commit to 30 years and not being able to see that money for 30. But if we can have a secondary market that allows people to to have some sort of extra liquidity if they need it, then that would be kind of the missing piece. I think it will take some time, um, but we're definitely moving towards that direction. And we're hoping that, you know, term is sort of that first step towards, you know, longer dated loans on chain. Dion, when do you think we might see that secondary market launch? And uh, if anyone's listening to this in the future and they might want to get involved, I guess, like, what would you suggest? Like, what what's the profile of users that you think might benefit near term by getting involved in uh, term finance? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is we need to get to a level of, you know, volume cleared through auction that reaches some sort of minimum size that is meaningful to to market makers, right? Ultimately, the market makers, you know, make money based on trading volume. And with fixed income, the volatility is way lower than you'll find with something like Ethereum or even more so like an altcoin. So in order to get market makers interested in the fixed income market, you need magnitudes, you know, larger trading volume so that the volume makes up for the lower spreads you're making on a less volatile product. So I think the first step is just making sure that there can be a lot of loans matched on chain. We saw Q2 of last year, Genesis and Galaxy originated over $80 billion in fixed-rate loans through a CFI mechanism. And you know, if we can get to that level in DeFi, then I'm sure there will be plenty of market makers interested in you know, making markets. But I think um, it's kind of a chicken or the egg issue. First, got to get the volume. Once the volume is there, then I think the market makers will come. So, Dion, this is probably a good place for us to uh, wrap up I want to remind uh, listeners that they can learn more about term finance by going to uh, termfinance.io. They can follow Term Labs on Twitter, which is term underscore labs. And then I want to give you the last word on any other sort of call to action to learn more about term. Uh, maybe you could reiterate for us, uh, when do you expect or anticipate that the protocol will go live? Yeah, so you know, as you mentioned before, we're currently in the guarded mainnet um, phase, and we're targeting to open everything up to the public uh, first or second week of August. So if you follow us on Twitter and follow us on our homepage, then you know we'll have updates for you, and we'll be announcing that as we get closer. Awesome stuff. Well, Dion, thank you for uh, being able to join us and walk us through this. Uh, I think. Again, like we as as uh, power users of DeFi have been really excited for this sector. And, and I think that this auction process that you're you're bringing on chain is, has been one of the missing puzzle pieces. So really excited to potentially lend myself, but uh, maybe I'll one day qualify to be a borrower on there. I just got to grow the DeFi dad portfolio a bit more, I think. So Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you're a talented founder or developer, please consider reaching out to our team at fourthrevolution.capital. And for future episodes of the Edge podcast, please check out our link tree at edge underscore pod.